All right, let's get back into it again. Buzz Hargrove, Ernie Eves, John Turley Ewart, and uh, throwing things around the horn. This parole hearing for Marco Muzzo, uh, who was convicted of drunk driving, killing four people, uh, the Neville Lake family up there in, uh, well, just north of the city in Kirby Side Road when he blew through a stop sign coming back after his bachelor party. He'd been drinking till three in the morning. Then he took a private jet. Four drinks on the plane by his own admission, gets into his van, or I guess it was his SUV at Pearson, and uh, this is where fate dealt uh, a tragic hand. And so uh, he's been sentenced to 10 years, but after two, I guess he's got parole, and the par- or a parole hearing, and uh, earlier today, it was denied uh, either day parole or full parole, and uh, the parole board, I mean, uh, the judge said that... Um, he still doesn't, I guess, understand the uh, the severity of what he did, and he's played fast and loose historically with uh, an irresponsible attitude towards the privilege of driving. But it was interesting because his hearing uh, was told that the parole board received numerous letters both against and in favor of granting the man some form of release. Buzz Hargrove, do you think two years in that there should be a consideration for some type of leniency? Well, it, I'm, he was four years in jail, two before he was sentenced and two... Uh, after out of ten, uh, you know, there's not many people get get charged with and found guilty of murder that do more than uh, a third or, uh, of uh, of the uh, sentence. So the question is, why is this guy different? My understanding is the people who've been working with them and counseling them uh, while he's while he's been in prison are are recommending that he get day parole, which means days out, night time in uh, in jail. Uh, so I, I think that after four years, there should be some uh, consideration. And the question is, in my mind, does this guy, uh, the type of person that's going to go back and do the same thing again, get behind the wheel, uh, and he's loaded? Well, they have a lot of technology today that uh, uh, that that'll alert you and won't let you car, start your car if you uh, do those things. So there are some things they could do. He's a young man. He ruined a lot of people's lives, and he deserved to pay a penalty, and he's done that. You think he's already paid the penalty? He's paid four years, a long time in jail. John, I mean, uh, and given the climate, too, with, uh, you know, drunk driving-related tragedies and so on and so forth, can you see Buzz's point that leniency, some type of leniency should be granted? Uh, well, no. Uh, I, I can't see the point. And, and uh, I mean, I haven't said, read the whole transcript from the hearing today, but my understanding is that there was uh, doubt raised in, in terms of his response to some of the questions uh, that he actually has learned from this experience. Uh, and so there's there's questions about alcohol that were raised and his relationship with alcohol. I think what we have here is a parole board that listened carefully to what he had to say and uh, were not convinced that, uh, you know, letting him on parole was the right decision. And good on this parole board for doing that. All right. And Ernie, I mean, the idea that, you know, as Buzz points out, the four years cumulative and uh, murderers are getting out after a third of a sentence and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where those cases are that Buzz kind of cited, but uh, do you think there's some leniency deserved to uh, a young man who made a mistake, as tragic as it was, the family? I mean, it was heartfelt that uh, the mother in this case, Jennifer Neville Lake, told the hearing, I don't and won't get the chance for parole from this life sentence of misery and despair. That's pretty heavy. I mean, but against that, do you think Buzz is right or wrong? But that is true. I mean, unfortunately, we spend a lot of time on the accused and not enough time on the victims in some of these cases. He did kill four people. I don't see any difference between this, quite frankly, and taking a gun and shooting four people. Um, you're going to 
do these things, you got to pay the price. Having said that, I think, you know, John makes a point that it's my understanding that hearing today, he doesn't still get what impaired is. I think we were talking before we went on air, and he thinks it's you got to drink eight or nine drinks before you can be impaired. You can be impaired getting, you know, having a drink or two drinks. Uh, so he still doesn't get the message, and I think that's probably the reason why the parole board took that into account when they made their decision today. It's a darn fine thing. Buzz isn't on the parole board. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, far if I'd have been on the parole board, I may have had a different perspective of I'd uh, listen to some of the arguments. If he was sitting there uh, telling a, a parole board of, of distinguished Canadians that it takes at least eight or nine drinks to get impaired, that I would be uh, probably concerned about letting him out as well. All right. I wanted to pivot to other things. You know, there is a story that uh, Amazon, looking for a second headquarters, and uh, we're flattering ourselves that we'd be in consideration. We're down to 20 cities. But now the smart money is pointing out that uh, Northern Virginia, or possibly Maryland, and I'm even reading in the Financial Post that it could be two different uh, second headquarters. So they're going to sort of spread the wealth because they're looking to employ 50,000 people and uh, virtually create a community unto itself. And yet uh, there are some cynics who believe that this was just kind of them going out and uh, feeling and probing to see what cities would offer up by way of subsidies and so on and so forth. But all of the criteria that were uh, considered to be important in their evaluation for where they were going to locate, because uh, Seattle's not big enough to accommodate you know, the growth that they're uh, now enjoying its exponential uh and if you look at the criteria it's about a low tax precincts uh good transit affordable housing governments that are willing to subsidize and uh really give away the store the taxpayers basically would have to prop this place up in that context john let me ask you first of all do we flatter ourselves to think that we're even in the competition well i think we're, we're definitely in in the competition not in the context of amazon because i don't believe they would have moved their headquarters out of the u.s uh or even one of their if they split it into even a portion of their offices out of the u.s in terms of headquarters uh however uh talent is very important amazon is looking for talented people uh, they look like they're going to split their offices between, uh, uh, you know, Northern Virginia and uh, and uh, Long Island, New York, I believe, is the place that they're Queens. looking at right now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, there's a ton of ta- talent uh, in a city like New York. Uh, you locate out in Queens, uh, you're going to find more affordable housing. Uh, if you put the offices in Manhattan, that I think would be nuts. Um, so I think what we're seeing here is, is definitely looking for talent. Toronto has talent. Uh, we have a lot of really well-educated, smart people here. I think our transit system is uh, obviously problematic. Uh, you know, you can get a subway out to Queens and New York and get a subway to Brooklyn. Can you get a subway to Scarborough? Kind of. Right, uh, and every time someone raises that, they want to throw people on light rapid transit, which again uh, slow takes forever to get anywhere on. They don't do that in big cities, so there's there's questions in terms of whether we have the infrastructure to support other firms that would want to bring tens of thousands of people into the city. And this is a debate we've been having for far too long. All right, well, when I talk about competition, I mean there are a lot of different ways of evaluating that. We got high hydro rates, for example, the tax regime, because we know when Trump lowered corporate and personal taxes stateside, we lost our competitive advantage. So, uh, you know, Ernie, when you were in power, how did you try to seduce business or recruit it to come and position itself in Ontario? Did you have to offer up some bottles? Well, you did it mainly by taxation. You did it by reducing and providing some incentives for innovation and research. 
at least that's the way we did it, um, which I think is appropriate. Uh, in this case, I'm not in favor of the government writing out huge subsidy checks, and I, but I think in this case it's a far more practical decision. I think the decision was it isn't leaving the United States of America, period, come hell or high water, and you can make up whatever reason or excuse you want why you're doing that. As John says, we have a lot of very talented people here. There's no doubt about that, but I don't think that they ever seriously thought for a minute of moving the headquarters of Amazon to uh, to Canada. Buzz, you think we, we can be competitive? Uh, yes, we could. We definitely can be uh, competitive. Yeah. On what grounds? Uh, on on all uh, levels. All you have to do is look at what the tax uh, incentives that other locations are offering. They're public, is my understanding, and and you you, you put together a package that matches that. The big uh, the big thing here is the pressure in the U.S. by um, our friend, uh, Mr. Trump, uh, and his relationship with Amazon. I mean, he's been threatening the hell of Jeff Bezos for <laughs> how long? Uh, and you can only take so much of that before the shareholders and the key people around you say, hey, let's not irritate this situation anymore by moving uh, 25,000 jobs uh, to Toronto. We could have trained. If we don't have the skills, which I believe we have a lot of skills there, uh, over the period of time they're going to be hiring, we could have trained a large number of people. We have probably one of the best education systems in North America right here in this city. And so there's all kinds of pluses for Toronto, but I never uh, ever got to, to the point where I thought they were going to come here. Interesting when you say that Amazon's executives and Bezos would be intimidated by Trump. Are you kidding? Amazon's going to run the government, give them enough time. Another five, six years tops. I want to come back and talk about the government stateside because uh, it's obviously very much in play now that uh, this thing would unfurl or unfold in uh, different ways. And those scenarios after the midterms will be discussed next with Ernie Eves, John Turley, Ewart, and Buzz Hargrove here on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio 640 Toronto.